0: Wide Vancouver. Pre game, post-game, every game. Presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to Free Casino Games Make a Play at Bodog.net. Wadden and JPAT here with you once again with the second last one of these tonight, uh, in the post-game edition, that is, as the Canucks win three to two over the ducks in game eighty-one, and they sweep the ducks, but the big story of the night, JPAT. Elias Patterson becoming the sixth player in franchise history to record 100 or more points, and uh, he's still got one more to go, so we'll see how far he can take it. But for right now, today, he's at 101 points.
1: Yeah, two-point night for him, and he took the doubt and the question of whether he'd get there Uh, Out of the equation early on a first period power play, nifty set up to Brock Besser in front of the net for a tap in Besser's 18th goal of the season. And for Pedersen, that was point number 100. And I love the way that Brock Besser, he knew, I mean, they all knew, scored and went right into the net to grab the puck uh, as the souvenir Uh, So a pretty play and, you know, fitting for the kind of season that Elias Pettersson has had. And then it was a question of how many more points would he get on the night he ends up with another assist uh, on what turns out to be the game winner early in the third period. So, as you said, up to 101 points on the season now with one game to go in Arizona on Thursday. And I don't know about you, he just looked so determined. And I get that the quality of competition Uh, He has feasted on the Docks. 11 of his 101 points now have come against Anaheim this season, so 10% of his point total coming against the Docks. You mentioned that the Canucks have swept them. Uh, But he just looked determined right from the outset. His first shift of the game sets up J.T. Miller for a great chance, and then he had a shot of his own, and it just kind of felt like he didn't want to leave it to chance. I mean, what happens if you go to Arizona, and you get injured early in the hockey game, and you're done for the night or something like that. It looked like a guy that recognized the significance here. This was his chance. The team got shut out last night. He wanted to get them going. He wanted to be that spark plug, as he's been on so many nights. And so, uh, you know, for his sake, glad that he got there. And uh, what a milestone. I mean, it really is, a 100 points. Uh The Canucks have been around for 53 years, and it's a really short list of guys that have been there and nobody in the last decade. So, uh you know, we salute Elias Petterson here on a rink-wide postgame uh, job well done.
0: Yeah, the 2011 uh, season, the last time, 100 point score on the Canucks in Daniel Sedin with 104 points. See if Pettersson can perhaps reach that mark, which of course Marcus Naslin got to as well at one point in his career in the 0203 season. So yeah, big feather in Elias Pettersson's cap. Uh, you said you don't want to leave it till Arizona, but yeah, no, it's the Anaheim Ducks. Like, you got to feast on the Ducks, right? Like, get it done now against a team that is is reeling Right now, what's that? Twelve now for them in a row. It is. Um, yeah. So they are. Yeah, it's good for unleased pressure, and not only that too. Like then you got all this pressure. If you went into Arizona against a team like the Coyotes, good. It's just good he got it out of the way, and good that the Canucks uh, got themselves a victory tonight. Loved his secondary or his second assist. That is, it wasn't a. It was a secondary assist. That is on that play, and I love that Cheech also brought that up because at times that sort of pisses me off. The secondary, primary assist, and it's like it's almost like oh, it's not good enough. It's the secondary one in that play right there. That shows you like he did it all. And the guys just finished off for him. So uh, a heck of a play there from Elias Patterson. And you're right. He was all over the place in this game. And Honestly, I thought early on, this was going to be one of those affairs. I thought we were going to be looking at six, five, you know, eight, seven, something like that tonight, because goals were coming. But then the game sort of lulled out and evened out after that. Um, And you know the Ducks were able to find themselves uh, back into this game. But before we get to uh, the second or third period, that Kuzmenko power play goal, what a pass from Akito Hirose. And, you know, we talked about the Quinn Hughes light stuff, and that's a lot of uh, pressure to put on a a young defenseman. But a pass like that? proves what we were talking about is legit.
1: Yeah, hang on a second. I'm not sure that we have talked about Quinn Hughes-Light. You've mentioned it a few times. (laughs) I'm just not ready to go there yet. I mean, I've liked what I've seen from the guy. Uh, I like the fact that he's getting power play time. End of sentence, full stop. Like Quinn Hughes-Light, that's what we're talking the, about. The fact that he does what he does with the power play time, uh, good on him. Now he took a couple penalties later in the hockey game. That's not so good. And in fact, some dicey moments there where he got the high stick on Troy Terry in the final couple of minutes that gave the Ducks a, a chance to tie. But uh just to your point about secondary assists. Thatcher Demko got a secondary assist on Andre Kuzmenko's goal. Elias Pettersson got a secondary assist on the JT Miller goal. Uh, Not all of them are equal, uh, because you're right. Pettersson did a nice job, drew the defenders to him, You know, flips it out to Di Giuseppe with a shot, and then Miller's there for the rebound, where Demko, he settled a clearing attempt at the side of his net. (laughs) It's the absolute (laughs)
0: reverse of what we were
1: just talking about. (laughs) Hey, They all count. They all look the same in the stat sheet. Uh, Hiroshi goes back, and... Yeah, I mean, head up, sees Kuzmenko, and we've said this all season, usually about Kuzmenko in front of the net, but he just has this uh, innate ability of finding the soft spot and got in behind the duck defenders, you know, cruises parallel with the blue line, and Horosi hits it, like, on the tape. Just a, it was. I mean, all right, on the, in that occasion, that looked a little bit like Quinn Hughes. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. The headband pass and kuzmenko makes no mistake going in on the breakaway and you're right at that point you know canucks are two for two on the power play you think oh man like the ducks they got nothing to play for we talked about it on our pregame show uh you know get a jump on this team because uh, they're going nowhere in a hurry and it looked like the canucks were on their way to blowing them out uh but the canucks don't blow anybody out and they don't score a lot of goals and again they didn't score a ton in this one but three was a- enough ultimately uh I- And so, yeah, I mean, Akito Hirose has entered the conversation, you know, take the penalties out of the equation. Uh, Those are his first two penalties in the National Hockey League, but 16 and a half minutes of ice time, uh, you know, plays both special teams. That's, again, for a guy that's like a week into his NHL career, and the Canucks are running him out there. And again, it's late in the season. The Ducks are not a superpower, but uh, forget the opponent. The fact that the Canucks have the confidence and the trust in this guy at the NHL level already – to work both the power play and the penalty kill. Like, if he was just a power play specialist, you'd say, all right, like, that's fine, but they're putting out there on the penalty kill as well. He does have a well-rounded game, and I do wonder if he has entered the conversation for full-time work next season we don't know what the Canucks have planned for the offseason but again I just think every night that goes by you think this guy does not look out of place in the National Hockey League and maybe just maybe uh this is going to turn out to be an incredible find for the Vancouver Canucks so uh good on Akito Hirose you know overall I, like I thought the effort was better it couldn't have been a whole lot worse they had 20 shots in L.A. Level of opponent, obviously not as good as it was on Monday night, but I, I just thought there was a more determined effort uh, from the Vancouver Canucks top to bottom here. Uh, by the way, the Canucks just won a hockey game with Sheldon dries Jack Stanika, and Nils Amon as their second, third, and fourth centers. That's the problem when you load up. And actually, I like that strategy from Rick Tockett. Like, I think he did everything in his coaching power to get Pedersen the 100th point early on, put him with J.T. Miller, uh, Phil Giuseppe. I thought, PDG actually had a, a, a strong game. Like He wasn't a passenger on that line. He had a bunch of chances. Now you play with the two best offensive players in the team, you know, go to the right spots, you're probably going to get your opportunities. And he did. Um, but I like that from talking. I just think that was sort of a nod to Patterson. They got shut out last night. Put your best players together. Try to make something happen. Uh, as it turns out, it was Pedersen that drew the penalty on Silverberg that put them on the first power play. So, you know, this guy's out there creating his own luck. He's drawing penalties, giving the Canucks power play opportunities, and then setting up Besser uh, for that milestone uh, point that he needed. I, and I, 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 like it's so much the storyline of this night that I don't want to leave it just yet when we talk about Pedersen, because I think the most encouraging, impressive thing for me You know, you look at the different ways that he came at it and accomplished all these points and, you know, more points on the road than he had at home. Um, You know, what's he got? 38 goals and and 62 assists. Now 63, I guess, to to get to 101. You know, so a nice balance. Um, But this is what I I, I like and I'm most encouraged and and maybe most excited about is he's the second youngest Canuck ever to get to 100 points. Pavel did it twice twice before this age. So Pavel's only one person, but he had 200-point seasons uh, before Elias Patterson, or at an age younger than... But Pettersson's 24-and-a-half. Like, the Sadines were 29-and-30 when they got to 100 points. And obviously, they were parts of better teams. So, you know, if you look at Elias Petterson where he is in his career, uh, there's still room to grow. Like, I, I think... You know, I don't know how much higher... He'll go, but I I just think where he is, he's continuing to get better. He's fleshing out his game, all situations, um, and hopefully this team does get better around him, and maybe that can, you know, elevate him even a little bit further. But the fact that he got to 100 points at uh, 24 and a half years old before his 25th birthday uh, that's just, it's really impressive stuff. The first
0: year that Pavel Bure was able to reach 100 points was, or, or more, was in the 92-93 year when he was 21 years old and got 110 points. But to give you some perspective of what the league was like then, there were 21 guys that reached 100 or more points. We're going to get to, we're at 11 right now in in this year, and we'll probably get to 12 with, uh, I think Mitch Marner is right there at 99. But this is the first time in a, in a really long time that there's been that many 100-point scores uh, in the NHL. Since 95-96 was the last time there was 11 11- Oh more there was 12 that year. So yeah, the league is is definitely changed since uh Pavo was putting up those numbers, but it tra- changed drastically. Like 21 guys had over 100 points. So what Elias Patterson is doing right now is that much more remarkable really uh when you consider it. And yes, scoring is up, but it's not up like 92 93. <laughs> Look at how many guys were uh, racking up the points back then. So, yeah, very uh, a big mark for Elias Patterson, big mark for the franchise, and also, too, for Swedish players that have played uh, for the Canucks now. That's four of them out of the six that have uh, reached the 100-point mark. So just an unbelievable mark for uh, the Swedish players that have played for the Vancouver uh, Canucks. What did you think of... We talked about Hirose, but what, what did you think of the college guys tonight? Because, I, I mean, McDonough was the low man in terms of time on ice. He had a few chances, though. And one of the things I've noticed about cole mcward early on here he gets pucks on goal like he gets pucks on net and they, they get through so those those are the things i liked i'm not going to praise them in this game in terms of i didn't think they did a heck of a lot but those are small things that we're seeing here that i'm liking and you know you talk about Hirose might be a good find i mean all three of them are sort of tracking towards be, being you know decent finds well, I guess is well, not. He's a draft pick, yeah.
1: Right. We, I mean, we saw McWard score with a seeing-eye shot, but it did mm-hmm. it find its way through the other night uh, against the Flames. Uh, he had a really good chance uh, with about four minutes to go coming in off the rush and let a shot go. He had three shots on seven attempts, so he's putting a lot of pucks towards the net. They didn't all find the target, but I like the fact that this guy's not afraid to, to shoot and, and shoot often. Uh, and he looked comfortable enough. There were a couple of plays defensively where I thought, all right, like, you know, we're, I, I, again, this is back-to-back. Uh, so was kind of wondering about the fatigue levels and those types of things, three and four for him. You know, it's been a lot to process, obviously, making the jump to the National Hockey League. You had one practice and away you go. So, uh, you know, it, it, he looks pretty calm and cool out there, and and that's a good sign. I honestly, I thought Aiden McDonough had a nice night. Now, I, I, you're right, he didn't play an awful lot. What was it, 10 minutes and 19 seconds? And he takes the penalty when he kind of put the bear hug on uh, Nathan Boylow and threw him to the ground uh, early in the third period. But I noticed him and the guy that he replaced in Kraftsov, just way too many nights that you don't notice the guy yeah. at all. So, yeah. and Krafsov was playing with Pedersen the last couple of games. He goes from the top line to the press box. So, some more message sending there. But when I look through, like McDonough, uh, in the first period, like, big bodies took the puck hard to that. Like, that's what I want to see from him. Yeah, It didn't result in anything, but it was just the, the like, I like that play. If he does it a bunch of times, good things will happen there. In the second period, uh, Bovillier did some nice work on the sideboards. And the the longest cross ice pass, he went rink wide with oh, the pass. Yeah. Uh Right into the wheelhouse of McDonough got a pretty good shot away. But I think Dostal had so much time to get across to read that play. But uh, um, still, I like the, you know, launched a one-timer and, you know, we're seeing different tools in his toolbox there. Um, and that's what I want to see. Like, I again, he's not going to score every night, but if he's going to be a full-time national hockey league, He's got to do things that draw your attention. And I thought tonight was a step in the right direction. He had been a healthy scratch for the last three games, so probably motivated. Um, you know, he knows that there's only two games to go. If I don't know if he'll play on, on Thursday. I hope he does. But yeah, I mean, all things considered, like, you know, you, you look at the numbers and the underlying numbers were sort of a, a push, like, you know, it weren't great, but they weren't bad. And individually, sort of the boxcar, you know, one shot on goal on two attempts and took the penalty. He was out there on the ice on the Hellison goal, so he ends up minus one. But I don't think uh, he was at fault on that one. And talking about c shots that made their way from the point to post it in. Um, but overall, like, I was encouraged. I, I thought that that was, um, you know, I liked him in his debut against the Blackhawks. And it's probably important to keep in mind the level of competition, right? Like, he played the Blackhawks in his debut now this one against the Ducks yeah like I'd like to believe that you know you could notice him against that kind of competition you know if he makes this team next year or if he starts at Abbotsford and gets a call up at some point you know who knows when he'll see better competition but that'll be a test right but by then he'll have more pro games either at the AHL level or the NHL level under his belt Uh, I thought this was a step in the right direction I I actually I liked uh, a a fair bit of what I saw from Aidan McDonough in this hockey game.
0: I think if you polled the fans right now, they would choose McDonough over craftsoff as well. He seems to have a step on him right now. Not that, I mean, listen, the, things can change in the offseason as well. They could fill that yep. role. McDonough could find himself in, in the AHL all next year. Do we need to be concerned about Quinn Hughes?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd say yeah, it's, it's tongue-in-cheek. It's, sure. I mean, it's just disappointing for him that, I mean, we talked 70 assists and you know, it looked for the longest time like that was going to be a shoe and he'd do that in his sleep and uh six now without a point, which, again, is surprising. And they scored two power play goals. I mean, what are the chances of two power play goals? And he's not in on either one of them? the guy touches the puck so much with the man advantage. So, yeah, you know, a little surprising and, and maybe a little unfortunate for him. Um, Yeah, there were a couple of plays, I thought, in third period, right off the opening faceoff, uh, set a PDG for a pretty good chance in the first minute there. Uh, you know, I noticed him doing his thing, walking the blue line and spinning away from checks. Like, you know, if he was ill last week, I, I think he's getting over it. He looked more like himself, but yeah, it's just, it's still odd to, to see him go six. I, I hope he doesn't get skunked here. Like, I hope that there's a point in... Arizona, just so that he can go in, not that a single point's not going to make, it's been an incredible season. Like one point at this stage is not going to be the difference of us thinking that, you know, somehow he, he had a disappointing year. Forget that. I mean, he's crushed his own records, uh, among the highest scoring defensemen in the National Hockey League. But, you know, sitting at 73, he's been there for a while and it looked and like, it disappointed- looked disappointed. Like-
0: Disappointing he's not going to get to that 70 mark either, it looks well, like, right? it, Yeah,
1: I mean, it looked like 70 assists and 80 yeah. points, perhaps, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. it's just, uh, yeah, he's gone a little bit too quiet here uh, towards the tail end of the season. But, you know, again, on the power play, what are the chances that they scored two power play goals and he's not in on either one of them? Uh, how about this? I had to go look at this, because they scored twice on the power play in St. Louis in that 6-5 overtime loss uh, two weeks ago. They got two here early. They struck on their first two power plays tonight. Just the second time in 29 games that the Canucks have had multiple power play goals. So that was a thing early in the season, but really under Rick Tockett, the power play has kind of been hit and miss, and recently it's been more miss than than hit, but on this night where they do strike twice with the man advantage, the Vassar goal, the Kuzmenko goal, the Canucks reach 60 power play goals for the season, which is now the most that they have scored in a single season since the 2011 team that went to the Stanley cup final. And that was a machine obviously that scored 72 times and led the NHL, uh, in power play goals and percentage. The Canucks aren't going to do either of those, but it's interesting in a year in which they trade away, Bo Horvat just past the midway mark. And he was really their power play ace in the bumper. And Elias Pedersen sitting on six power play goals. Hasn't been all that productive. And yet, this is the most power play goals of Vancouver Canuck team has scored since 2011.
0: You think it's as simple as the Horvat trade is what's brought this power play down? Because it's, yeah, it's been down pretty much since the trade and since Talkett took over. Uh,
1: yes and no. I mean, Elias Pettersson had no power play goals under Bruce Boudreaux, and all of his power play goals have come under Rick Tockett, which does coincide, sort of. I mean, Talkett had Horvat for three games before the All Star break, but. You know, so I think Pedersen has benefited from the fact that they've looked for some other options rather than always working it around to the left side and then into the middle for Horvat. Uh, so Petey has found a little bit of production on the power play, but as a team, they just haven't been quite as dynamic. And that makes sense. You take away, I mean, Horvat was a real weapon and teams had to respect him. And so the Canucks would move the puck around the perimeter and then they'd try and, you know, find it and stuff it to the inside. And didn't take much if he was able to get a stick on it, uh, get that shot away. So, um, uh, you know, they're going to have to kind of go back to the drawing board in the off season, I think, to figure out more ways to get Elias Petterson more involved, more touches, maybe some different spots. And yet, I, like that's the surprising part is that Horvat hasn't been here really for the second half of the season. Petterson hasn't done that much, and yet they've got these 60 power play goals and if you look at who has contributed, um, uh, you know, they spread it around Kuzmenko and Miller, and you know, Besser gets one here tonight, and Sheldon Dries has his power play goals. And there's a bunch of guys that have singles. You know, Dakota Joshua got a power play goal early in the season, McKayev, uh, when he was still healthy here. Uh, you know, so there have been different guys, it hasn't just been leaning on one or two players, but. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, what Jason King will do if, uh, and I assume that the coaching staff will be back intact. I don't know that, but that'll be a question here at the end of the season when management and the coaches are made available. But if Jason King is still the guy running the power play, you know, he's going to have to go back. I think power plays always have to evolve. You can't kind of get stuck in your ways. And again, I'm curious to see what they can do uh to get Elias Pettersson a few more looks and a few more touches because he proved, you can get to 101 points with six power play goals. You don't need to be, you know, crushing it on the power play. And yet, I think even if you ask Elias Pedersen, he'd say six is a pretty paltry total. Like, I think he would probably have higher expectations for himself next year to be a little bit more productive when it comes to actually scoring goals on the power play. But tonight, uh, he was the setup guy on one of them, uh, the best for goal, and then the other, uh, Helper came at even strength early in the third period.
0: And he liked the back bounce back game for Andre Kuzmenko in this one yep. as yep. well.
1: I mean, he's up to
0: 39 goals now. I do like the way, and we talked about it on the last postgame pod. I like the way that Rick Talkett's handling this right now. Like he's going to the tough love, but then he gives him an opportunity again, right? Like, so it's not like you just get, you know, riding pine and you know, you're move down the lineup and et cetera, et cetera. Like he there's give and take there. And he knows how much of a weapon Andre Kuzmenko can be. So you can't really, you know, have him on the bench for too long. Up to 39 goals, though. I mean, that is massive for him. And if he could get to 40 in in that final game, that would just be absolutely unbelievable for a first-year player.
1: Yeah. And I hope they look for him for, for yes. 40, you know, now that Pedersen's got his and, you know, JT Miller, uh, got his 200th goal. Like that's a nice round milestone for him. Uh, he's got 80 points in 80 games. So a point a game player nope. for JT Miller with one to go. But, you know, the things like Quinn Hughes, we talked about him, but like he's not bumping up against 70 assists or, or 80 points now. So really when you look at individual milestones, I mean, Pedersen's still got a chance to get to 40 as well. But, you know, I, I do hope that the team could find a way to get Kuzmenko a couple extra looks on Thursday, because I think that would just be an incredible story. I, I would have thought 25 was uh, a massive first year in the National Hockey League. Really didn't know what to expect, but uh, for him to be knocking on the door, of 40. And I'm with you. I I think, I, like I thought talking did a really nice job of coaching tonight. And again, it's the Ducks. It's game 81. They're not going anywhere, but I liked him loading up Pedersen and coming back with Kuzmenko and making sure that, you know, he got some power play time, even though it was on the second unit. And credit to Kuzmenko, like, through all of this, these nights where he has had to ride the pine, you know, the other night steps up in the shootout after not playing in the third period in overtime. There's been no sulking with this guy at all. And, look, lots of players, like, they've got egos, right? And maybe it's not fair to paint Russians, but sometimes they're mercurial and you're never quite sure, you know, what to, to think from, you know, and we've seen some guys uh, over the years. Uh, and uh, It's not just Russians, so I want to make that clear. but. um, I mean, this guy just seems to love life. Isn't Gifted offensive hockey, like,
0: players can be like that. Yeah, you're right. Fair, yeah, that's
1: probably yeah. a better way to say it and yeah. not bring countries into it. Uh, yeah. So my apologies to any Russians. But um, <laughs> um I, I just, yeah, I mean, there have been no pouting at all, at least not publicly. I mean, maybe behind closed doors. But even then, the coaches have said, like, the attitude's been great. Uh, he's tried to learn from all of this. And uh, he made no mistake. He made no mistake on the shootout goal. Uh, he made no mistake on that breakaway. Like, he looked like an NHL goal scorer there, walking in, picking a spot and snapping it home. So, yeah, 39 goals for him. Let's see if he can get to, to 40 on Thursday night in the final game of the season. It's just such an incredible number. It's a great season.
0: What a score, too. What a find for the for the Canucks and to get Andre Kuzmenko to sign here. Uh, looks like Thatcher Dimko has played his final game of the season. Uh, 33 saves in this one and ends up finishing the year at 14-14-4 in 32 games for Thatcher Demko as a whole in totality. What did you think of not only his game tonight, but just now the season for Thatcher Demko in what was a trying year for him. But in the end, you know, he kind of bounced back and, and, you know, made the, everyone realize that, Hey, this is who we got in goal. That's our guy right there.
1: I thought he was really good in this hockey game. Uh, if you go back to the first period, Lundstrom on the breakaway when Ethan Bear kind of coughed it up and Lundstrom went the other way, um, you know that that's a big time save in a game that's uh, close at that point. In fact, I think it was scoreless still uh, at, at at that moment. So breakaway save, nice stop. Um, Max Jones in the second period, that toe save. Jones looked like he had like where he beat Myers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. It, well no 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 that was uh, when he that was later in the second period when he drew the penalty but there was the play off the end boards and the centering pass to max Jones and and Demko just flashed his left pad out made a terrific save um and then you're right the Jones just zipped zip. it on just walked around Tyler Whoop. Myers. Uh, it was Nestorenko, I think, was the, the guy that was the centering pass, and uh, Demko made that stop. And then, like, you know, his moment was that power play midway through the third period. Uh, Derek Grant looked like he had kind of chopped the backhand off the inboards boards up high, but Demko got a piece of that one. And then Silverberg with the two chances, and Demko Game scared it. him down. Yeah. Uh, and then on the final power play, uh, Adam Henrique in the slot had a quick shot and Demko just looked big and, you know, square and made that stop as well. So 33 saves on 35 shots, gives up two. And again, uh, we've talked this storyline to death. Yes, it hurt the Canucks draft odds, draft lottery odds. But the bigger picture is that Thatcher Demko returned from injury and proved to himself and his teammates and the organization and the fans and the, the National Hockey League uh, that he's back that for a two-month stretch at least uh he was in elite form and after the injury he went 11-4-2 like you know if the connection had that kind of goaltending from him early on you know ultimately five more wins probably puts them in the conversation or pretty close to the wildcard conversation um maybe it had to be seven more wins, but whatever the case, like they would have been hanging around a lot longer. Um, and so, you know, the the lines are fine in the National Hockey League, uh, but that, I mean, the start, and Demko was a part of it. He wasn't very good early on. Uh, he's talked about how he used the time off to not just heal up physically, but to try to figure out what had gone wrong and and how he could get better. And so that's an encouraging sign that if he can hit the ground running, if this is the last that we've seen him, you know, bottle that up, roll this Thatcher Demko out in September at training camp, hit the ground running, and he'll give the Vancouver Canucks a chance uh, to be a competitive hockey club. I won't make any predictions about next season right now, but yeah, I mean, overall for him, there's probably something psychological about getting back to 500 just to call it a year, but really it was a season that was broken up in two, and he can forget about the first part, learn from it. And really, since he came back in late February, that game in Dallas, Uh, He is lights out good and and a big reason why the Vancouver Canucks were able to pick up a a number of victories here down the stretch. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
0: Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Poker Tips, sports odds, and free casino games. It's time to play. Let's head into the dressing room. We'll hear from EP40, but first the head coach who talked about uh, or was asked about whether uh, he got put Jt Miller alongside Elias Patterson to try to get him that hundred points.
2: I just felt that uh, PD. I wanted to get PD some couple, of, you know, guy forechecking guys, and, and you know, I thought PD had great energy tonight. Obviously, get a hundred points is great, but I think his overall game was really good tonight.
0: Yeah, come yeah. on, coach. Like, I get it. I get it. And and like, don't get me wrong. He he's not wrong about that in terms of wanting to get a better forecheck in there, but. Well, you're spreading your second line a little bit thin. <laughs> you know you loaded up to try to get PD that
1: point. Well, I think he recognized he could get away with it against Anaheim, right? If you, yeah, true. If you went with one loaded line against a really good team, you'd be exposing uh, your other, and certainly down the middle. And we talked about that. Like They can't move forward. That's why JT Miller has to be a center for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, because against good teams and over the course of a season, you couldn't run with a... Uh, a depth group of Studnika, Amon, and Sheldon Drys as your two, three, and four centers.
0: Yeah. Uh, Elias Pettersson, of course, uh, reaching that 100-point mark and just ask post-game, you know, what it meant to him. It means I can breathe out again. Um, no, but I'm very happy with it. Uh, something I didn't think about before the season. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm very happy with it, but can't have done it without the guys talked, that's uh what we talked about at the start of this pod here, right? Like how they didn't want to leave it to the last game, and you kind of admitted it right there, right? Yeah, like, yeah, got it out of the way, like, you know, and, and good on them, right? And good on the team as well. Like, You know, they don't have much to play for, and and it was ta- asked about that, you know, just the fact that Patterson was able to get himself to the 100-point mark, and he said, yeah, that's great. But now let's get to team goals. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's got that out of the way. Now let's start focusing on team goals. So I thought that was a, a good reply from Tauket, but also kind of gave us a glimpse on uh, Petey and what he was thinking in terms of trying to reach that mark.
1: Yeah, a little bit of insight there. I mean, he doesn't let us in on a lot, but the fact that uh, he said he could exhale now tells you that uh, clearly, and of course it was. And he saw JT Miller go through it last year, right to game 82, and and Miller came up a point short. So, uh, uh you know, it was on his mind clearly. And yeah, take care of it early and and just you know move forward and as we said he got the the next assist as well or the, in the third period got another one so up to 101 points now.
0: Speaking of JT, BD was asked if JT Miller said anything to him uh, before the game.
1: He said let's uh, let's just
0: get uh, let's at least get uh, one, one point a day and make sure we get the 100 so uh, we started off hot we could have scored first shift then second or third shift but uh, yeah we got eventually on the power play.
2: Said, how come you didn't play with him last year when he was trying to get 100?
0: <laughs> I mean, I wasn't a coach, so <laughs> I would love to help him then. Uh, so, but yeah. Yeah, Bruce, why didn't you load up for <laughs> JT last
1: year? <laughs> oh, Bruce, I, I remember the game went to overtime, and he played him a bunch. That's like right. He, he yeah. tried to give him every opportunity. It just uh, it didn't happen for him.
0: If I remember correctly, too, Bruce acknowledged the post game that he was trying as yeah? well. Oh yeah, so, yeah. 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 Uh, of course, we raved about Akita Hirose and that pass that he made. Rick Tockett asked about the young player once again in the
2: post game. His deception. Um, I even like his defending. So. Um, uh, even Cole, like, uh, to be thrown in the fire like that, I've really, you know, to have those guys in the system is and I, I, the depth of the uh, defense uh, organization is big. So, yeah, he, uh, he like I said, he, you know, I've talked to you guys a million times about his hockey IQ. That's just seeing that play happen um, and making that play.
0: And one of the things, too, about getting a depth on your defense, if you look around the league, you look at some of the better teams, like, a lot of the guys that they have are are veterans, the way the Canucks are doing it right now, like they got a lot of young guys in this system right now, and some of them are showing promise like Hirose and McWard.
1: Yeah, and it's just a question of you know, who's going to get a legit shot at the NHL level, how many of these guys are destined for Abbotsford. I think you want to make sure that you're not clogging the system in Abbotsford with veterans that are, you know, not on contract to the Vancouver Canucks. Like, you know, they're, for a while there, they had to have those kind of players because they just didn't have bodies and didn't have much in the pipeline. But, uh, you know, it looks like they've added some serious pieces here. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes down.
0: Lastly, uh, Tochett is not going to have to be concerned about his goaltender. And he had high praise for the final game of the season, for Thatcher Demko.
2: Yeah, you know what, what I love about Demps is uh, didn't have a lot of work early, and then he just, you know, there's a couple of saves there. He was just, you know, to be focused, and then have a barrage of shots and be, you know, be there for us. Um, you know, it's uh, you know as a coach, you're comfortable when you got a guy like that in your nets. You know, he just. Uh, you know, a couple of post-to-post saves that he made were, were big tonight, and uh, especially early when lo- there wasn't much happening for him, and then all of a sudden there was a barrage. So I think the focus level with Demmer is just incredible. So all the things that you're going to worry about over the summer, goaltending won't be one of them? No, no, I don't think i will be worried about Demmer, no.
0: And a healthy Thatcher Demko, uh, hopefully he can stay healthy uh, throughout the summer, will be absolutely massive. For I'm, spe- I'm stating the obvious here, but just be so massive for the Canucks to be able to start off the year with Thatcher Demko healthy and ready to go.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure, uh, you know, again, Anaheim is close as you can get to San Diego in the National Hockey League. Just the second time that he's had a chance to play on the pond. So if this is it for him, a uh, good way to go out, probably had some family and friends up from San Diego to see it. You know, we mentioned this a little earlier that the Ducks, <laughs> they've basically shut her down. I mean, they, they didn't, I mean, the Ducks obviously didn't bury them, but you know, 0-10-2 in their last 12, 1-win in 15, and I mentioned those because the Canucks swept the Ducks in the season series. They end up going 4-0. They scored 8 in their first game against Anaheim. Remember that 8-5 when Pedersen had 5 and Kuzmenko had a hat-trick? The Canucks scored 8 goals the first time they saw Anaheim. They scored 8 goals over the final 3 games <laughs> against the Ducks. All 3 of them were 1-goal wins, so... And I'll keep that in mind as you try to assess this Vancouver Hockey Club and, you know, the level of opponents and all those kinds of things. Wins are wins, the points count. But, man, did they have to grind just to get uh, one goal victories against the Anaheim Ducks. And kids seventeen and under can get in for fifteen, so bring the noise, fill the dome
0: my bowdog best bet uh, hit tonight, and um you know, like I said on the pregame show, it felt like I was a game too early with the mm-hmm. bet that I made against the Kings, and that was Elias Patterson to record two or more points. I really wanted to see him do it in L.A. there. But as we saw, the uh, the Kings suck the offense out of a lot of teams. So move that over to the Anaheim game. And yeah, it hit tonight. Uh, I felt really good about this one. My 34th victory of the season. Uh, I can't catch the Canucks, but I'm feeling good about that. Like I said, I'm going to tally it up at the end here and see how much we've made the people. But 34-47 uh, and 47 is my record uh, now, J-Pat. So that's, uh, that's not too bad for me, I think. Uh, for on the season uh, what else have we got ha- a game and a hashtag now which is presented by uh, Delaney's OK Tire on Fraser Highway in Langley and there's going to be a lot of PD here so Husan starts it off with Patterson but the uh, there's a hundred in there basically uh, Johnny says hashtag hundred club Caro says hashtag EP century Ernest says hashtag Bedard luck next time Andy says, hashtag congrats, PD. David, hashtag (laughs) EP100. Strong belly, hashtag PD the Centurion. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty good. And, oh, just, this is from Jack. Hashtag PD and Miller buddies now? Question mark? <laughs> I guess so. Maybe. JT looks happy for him. Yeah, absolutely. Although Besser was probably the happiest. Uh, I got one Ask JPAT here. It is from Strong Belly, and he asks EP40, Hughes, and Demko, there are talented pieces here, but what does this roster need to become more competitive? Competitive,
1: A whole lot more on the back end. Uh, I think that much is uh, abundantly clear. We spent some time talking about a healthy Thatcher Demko. That's an incredible backbone and piece to have. Uh, Teams that have elite goaltending, they know it. The ones that don't, they know that as well. And the Canucks have a guy uh, who can deliver. And so from the goaltender on out, Quinn Hughes, obviously, you know, I am interested to see what a season of Philip Aronik looks like, if he can stay healthy and and add uh, at both ends of the ice. Uh, But they need more. Like, it's not just, oh, plug Philip Rohnick in. Uh, You know, they've cycled through the 16 defensemen that they've used. A bunch of guys have had uh, good long looks. The AHL call-ups. You know, some of those guys, I think, have put themselves on the radar to be depth pieces next year. But we're talking about some window dressing. And that's why you know a guy like Akito Hirose maybe has advanced the conversation if he has one of these summers. And now that he has a little bit of a, a baseline of life in the NHL, uh, train hard, come back, and you know, could I see him as a third pair guy? Perhaps it still doesn't address the question of OEL. Um, and that's a massive question, certainly. Uh, you know, what happens there? Uh, because if he's back, I mean, that's a storyline, if he's not back, that's a bigger storyline. Uh, you know, so we're going to go into another offseason here in Vancouver where. Uh, the question is, how can they upgrade this defense? We know that they've got elite skill and talent up front. I still think the jury is out on a lot of the depth guys and, uh, you know, some of the periphery uh, peripheral pieces up front. But uh, make no mistake, the focus, as it was last year when they really didn't do much uh, to address the back end, it, you know, I, I just think the temperature and the spotlight goes up even more uh, this offseason season. How do they try to upgrade the defense? And I would say that Aronik's a a start, but I think they need at least one other, like, legitimate National Hockey League piece, maybe two more, and then try to fill around the edges with what they've got in the system. So, you know, can they accomplish it? I don't know. We'll see, but uh, we'll all be watching, and certainly it'll give us lots to talk about here on Wide through the offseason. Yeah, we got lots uh, to unpack over the offseason with that, uh, especially that blue
0: line. You're absolutely right. That's where it need to clean it up the most. And then that 3C hole seems to be the one uh, that they have to focus on up front. This is probably uh, the easiest did-something uh, candidate <laughs> of the season. It was about as easy as my Bodog best bet. But uh, who do you got that did something, as always, presented by Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage.
1: Yeah, let's make it short and sweet. Elias Pettersson did something that uh, not many have done over more than half a century of history in in Vancouver and that is reached the 100 point mark and of course he got to 101 but the assist on the best for goal at 12:14 of the first period was PD's 100th point of the season his 62nd assist to go along with 38 uh, goals so congratulations again to Elias Pettersson a milestone night for him and we'll see where he uh, tops out on Thursday with the final game of the season now you're going to want to pay attention to this to get in on the $25 gift card to the Dutch. We're running out of time in the season. We're running out of time to give away the gift cards here. So make sure you get in on the draw here. The hashtag tonight is he did it. Pretty simple. He did it. Got to 100 points. Uh, that's your hashtag to get in on the Dutch. Uh Do something and did something. A presentation of Jason Hominick. At Jason.mortgage. Jason's been doing something for a while and that's saving Rinkwide listeners money. And even though the season is winding down, he'll be working hard through the spring and the summer and he'll be one phone call away to help you save money with your mortgage as well. So whether you're new to the market, looking for a first time mortgage or a renewal, uh, Jason Hominick, uh, he knows the industry inside and out and we highly recommend that uh, you make that phone call get him on your side make sure that you get the best product for you and your family jason Hominick at jason.mortgage
0: when it comes to mortgage brokers he a broker he's the equivalent of a 100 point player like he's there just
1: he gets it done for you right yeah and then you could say he did it when, exactly uh, you know he got you the mortgage you're looking for
0: <laughs> send that hashtag he did it into the gogod sports inbox at 778-402-9680. and yeah that'll get you into that draw that jpat was talking about to bc's best breakfast 25 dollars of the dutch check them out at the dutch.com all right yeah one more to go here and it's uh the arizona coyotes and the vancouver canucks and before we do get out of here just a bit of an update on the standings now for the canucks when it comes to you know the league so vancouver now at 81 points and what hovering around with St. Louis, Detroit, uh, uh, St. Louis, still two games to go here. But, you know, really, I mean, when it comes down to the what, you know, with their draft pick, what are they going to get? Like, it's going to be really interesting to see where the Canucks end, up, what they end up doing. That is uh, with that pick because of where they've sort of ended up here. You know, maybe not bad enough for Bedard just yet, but uh, uh, we'll have to unpack that in the offseason, too. But well, know, like this this late push here has brought them up the standings, uh, maybe not to uh, some of the people's liking.
1: Yeah, I tweeted this out before the game because I, I just saw this as I was sort of crunching some numbers and, and really was shocked. I mean, I've been watching the standings for a while now, but on February the 15th, like not even two months ago, February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, the Washington Capitals were 16, 1-6, six, 16 points clear of the Vancouver Canucks in the standings. And now on the night of April 11th, the Canucks are in front of the Capitals. Uh, Cap have been in a free fall. They've been out without Ovi. They've had a bunch of injuries. They traded away players, but they have been in rapid decline. Meanwhile, behind thatcher Demko, the Canucks have been on this steady climb up the standings. But that's an incredible turnaround, uh, 16 points in less than two months. So, yeah, I mean, the Canucks are tied with St. Louis. They're one point up on Detroit, and they're two in front of the Washington Capitals now. And we'll see how things play out here. Uh, as we wind our way to the end of the season.
0: And that'll be on Thursday. But tonight, the Canucks win 3-2 in Anaheim over the Ducks. Elias Patterson reaches the 100-point mark, the sixth player in franchise history to get there. That has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rink-Wide is the show that all good.